our scripture again from Revelation 20, beginning in verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books, according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Judgment. As we begin today, may I ask us to let our minds truly ponder on all the things that are taking place here in this passage of Scripture. Recall first now that in the verses just preceding these that I just read, Christ in all of His glory had been reigning there on His throne in the millennial kingdom for a thousand years. Then Satan and his armies were released from the pit and they gathered around the millennial kingdom arrayed for war, poised to attack, when suddenly the Lord Jesus simply rained down fire from heaven, consumed all of Satan's armies, and Satan was captured and thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone to suffer there for an eternity. That was the setting in the verse just before this one. And then we have verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. Consider what you would be looking at. From one verse of Scripture to the next, everything has changed. Everything has changed. God has suddenly and completely wiped away everything from the face of existence. The millennial kingdom is gone. Even the earth itself, all of the heavens are gone. Everything is gone. Completely. And all that remains is a great white throne with the Lord Jesus seated on it, prepared to judge all of the people of the earth. And you will be standing there. That is what you will see take place. That is what I will see take place. That is what every person that has ever existed or ever will exist will see. Exactly what I've read. Listen again. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. That's you and me. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which are written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, everyone, according to their deeds. 
Now again, try to imagine this. Everything in all of existence is gone. All those things that were so important to us during this earthly life, they're gone. And man is left standing there alone before the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus. And yes, yes, there are multitudes of other people all around us. It tells us here that the dead, great and small, from every corner of the earth, from all the generations past, will be standing there. But listen, there's a real sense in which everyone who is standing in judgment, all the multitudes that are standing there in judgment, that each person is standing there very, very alone. Alone and completely naked. Everything that he or she has ever thought, said, or done is laid bare before the Lord Jesus, the judge of all the earth. In Hebrews 4 we read, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And so, there we will be. Every one of us. Untold billions of us. Crowded together before the throne of judgment. Together. But yet alone. All alone. And completely naked and exposed before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. Nothing can hide all those many, many things that you did over your life. That I did over my life. Our behaviors, our conduct. All that will remain is you, by yourself, me, by myself, and all the many people, all by their self, standing there before the all-knowing judge, the Lord Jesus, as He then opens the books in front of Him. Those special records of all the things that we've done throughout all the many days of our lives. Now, I've heard lots of preachers preach that, oh, God forgets all of those things. No, no, that is not what the Scriptures say. He does not forget. God cannot forget. He does have the penalty for what we have done removed. Yes, as far as the east is from the west, as far as... The sky is from us. But it says that everything that we have ever done will be brought before us. Now we're told that there's two sets of books. Here in these words, there are two sets of books. In one of them are all the many deeds of men and women and what we have done in the flesh. Whether those deeds be good or evil. The other book is the book of life. That's spoken about here in verse 15. And that book is the most important book of all. Because as this verse 15 tells us, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So, there we will stand, naked and alone, and everything that we have ever done lying exposed before the one to whom we must give an account. This is the judgment. 
the judgment, that one single event in most all people's existence that they dread the most. And it's not as if we didn't know that judgment day was coming. We've been clearly forewarned in these scriptures, both in the Old Testament and in the New. Listen, Ecclesiastes 12 in the Old Testament, verse 14. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. All those things that you thought that no one else knew about, God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Ecclesiastes 12.14 And then over in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 5, we're told the same thing. Verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, listen, whether good or bad. And then, as we've been reading here in Revelation 20, we're told one more time that every soul that has ever existed on the face of the earth will stand before the Lord Jesus in this great white throne judgment and each person will give an account for everything that they have ever done, whether it be good or evil. Now, may we understand clearly that this court that will be convened by the Lord Jesus will not be like the ones we're accustomed to seeing in our man-made judicial system. At this judgment seat of God, there will be no prosecutors, no defense attorneys. Our guilt or our innocence will really have already been established, both before the foundations of the earth, but also by the conduct of our lives during our years in the flesh. And our eternal guilt or acquittal will have already been determined at that point. Solely upon the basis of one criterion. And that is, has our sin been washed away by the blood of the Lamb? And by that cleansing, then, our name written in the Lamb's book of life. So then, as we, as you, as I, as we're called to step forward and kneel before the judgment throne of God. Everything will have already been said and done that will be said and done. Will there be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth? Yes. Will there be protests of innocence from many of the guilty? Yes. Recall these words from Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And he says, on that day, what day? Judgment day. On that day, many, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, casting out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Now there will be at least two major events of judgment that will take place. First is this one, the great white throne judgment. At this judgment, there will be an an initial determination as to where each person 
will go to spend their eternity in heaven or in hell. We can read about that in Matthew chapter 25 and also here in Revelation 20. Let me read for you from Matthew chapter 25. This is verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on the glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them from one another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats... And he will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then down in verse 41 of Matthew 25, he says to the other side, Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. And then in Revelation 20 that we've just read, I'll read them again for you, these words. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Now picture this. Everyone... Everyone that's ever existed. And then he says, The books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And listen, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead. Now picture this. People have died thousands of years ago. We think of people who, it speaks here of, The sea gave up the dead within it. People whose bodies have totally disintegrated. You think of those people whose bodies were disintegrated in the Twin Towers explosion. It does not matter. Every one of those people will be standing there before the Lord as He opens the books. If anyone's name was not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, note carefully that all of these accounts of judgment do speak about deeds. Deeds, our behaviors while we are in this flesh, in all the circumstances of our daily life. But listen, some, probably most of these people will be surprised. Most of these people really will be surprised because they do think a lot about deeds. Those who mistakenly believe that just doing the best that they can in this life, treating other people right, all of those things, if I do that, they think, God will let me into His kingdom. But they're mistaken they will find out that deeds will not be the only determining criterion of whether they're judged to be sheep or goats and receive either eternal life or eternal death. As I mentioned a moment ago, the first determination is not the deeds. The first determination of our salvation is made based solely upon whether our sins have been washed away by the blood of the Lamb and our name written there in the Lamb's book of life. 
Now, with that being said, though, our deeds, according to these words, are very, very important. They are very, very important. They'll help determine the extent to which the rewards or the punishments that each person will receive when they go into heaven or into hell. Let me say that again. Our deeds will help determine the extent of the rewards or the punishment that we'll receive. Now, we don't know much about the extent of the punishments in hell. Scripture doesn't tell us much about that, other than to say that those names that are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that they'll suffer an eternal punishment in the burning pits of hell, along with Satan and his demons. But, for those of us whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, we're told a lot more about what's going to take place with us. We're told that we'll receive rewards in heaven. Some of those are described as crowns. And there are five different crowns that are mentioned here in the New Testament. There's this crown of righteousness. There's the crown of glory. There's the crown of life, a crown of rejoicing. Another place that speaks of an imperishable crown. All of those blessed rewards. Now what that means, I don't really know. But it crowns usually imply that God is well pleased with us and that we are reigning with Him in His kingdom. He even said there in the parable of the miners that some people will be given the privilege of taking charge of five cities, some taking charge of ten cities. There are lots of rewards that God will give to us in heaven. And those will all be determined by our deeds done in this life. You and I need to know, and we need to say to those that we love, that there truly is a moment of judgment coming. Too often, we are caught up these days with this understanding that's being preached that God is a God of love that will invite everyone into His kingdom. The folks who preach that have to simply be ignoring not only what the book of Revelation is saying, but Matthew just all through the Scripture. God will judge, which means that He is just. Yes, He loves, but He is also just, and He will judge. And that moment will come to every person. And the verdict that's rendered in that judgment is absolute, and it is eternal. No appeals, no delays. I shared with you some time ago that I spoke to a Buddhist man on the telephone one time. And he was talking about how Buddhism works. And how after death you're taken to this place where you will have to suffer if you have done wrong things. But God only keeps you there for a little while. Perhaps a long while if you've done a lot wrong. But he lets you out. Of that punishment. Please don't understand that as having any truth. The verdict rendered by the Lord Jesus is absolute and it is eternal. There will be no appeals, no delays 
for those who are sentenced to go into the burning pit of hell. Now for an unfortunate many, that verdict rendered, and I'm talking about many who spend a lot of time in churches, there is going to be this great surprise. I read a moment ago from Matthew 7. I want to read that again. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Listen to those words. Only the people who have sat in churches for probably long periods of time would even say those words. So he's talking to church members. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many, notice that word, many, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? Then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. I don't know you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Now again, what does this mean? This means that, again, that so many who sit in our church pews, there every time the door opens even, they have professed Christ, professed faith in Christ on many occasions. There's a difference in just simply professing faith in Christ and actually having faith in Christ. They will have gone out witnessing visitations, all of those sorts of Christianly things, even perhaps laid hands on someone who needs healing, or maybe even casting out demons that join with the other church members, laying hands on them, as he refers to here. And all those things are good and godly things, yes. But there will be some within that group that's laying hands on there, that never quite surrendered their hearts and lives to Christ. They prayed the sinner's prayer, perhaps even more than once, came down the aisle and rededicated themselves on more than one occasion, but simply wanting to be saved and doing those kinds of things does not make us saved. Absolute surrender to Christ is the only step that we can take to be truly saved. So the question then, What can we do now so that we are not surprised then on that day that's spoken about here? You and I really must be willing to humble ourselves and check to see if we are truly saved. Over and over again, God exhorts us to examine ourselves to see if we're truly in the faith. He says those exact words in 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5. And by the way, there are a lot of preachers that say, oh, don't, don't ever question that. Don't ever question that. Yes, question it. You can't unsave yourself by questioning it. 2 Corinthians thirteen five. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? Each of us can know for sure. Each of us can know absolutely for sure. 
And I plead with you to do that, to be absolutely sure. 1 John 5, 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, listen, so that you may know that you have eternal life. He that has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Judgment is really coming. Are you, am I, ready for that day? Let me pray.